You're listening to Like Nobody's Business, and I'm your host, Emily Castle. This podcast is a space of devotion to mastery, excellence, and thriving in our businesses and in our lives as women entrepreneurs. Each month, I'll be helping you tool up with resources to support you to navigate a new area of entrepreneurial life with intention, strategy, and soul. I'll walk you through it by answering your specific questions, help get you on top of it with actionable tips, look under it to help you reprogram your subconscious mind for more ease, and when it comes to the common traps I see many of my coaching clients and listeners fall into, I'll get you over it. Together, we'll explore a broad range of topics that impact and influence how you show up to lead the business your soul came here to create, including wellness, prosperity, growth, spirituality, and fulfillment. I'm so excited and grateful you found your way here. Let's dive into today's episode so you can add something new to your toolbox of expansion and learn how to master entrepreneurship and life like nobody's business. On top of it, over it, under it, through it, freedom's calling, calling you. On top of it, over it, under it, through it, freedom's calling, calling you. On top of it, over it, under it, In today's episode, we're moving through the resistance, common mistakes, or sneaky traps we can fall into around this month's theme so that you can stop feeling stuck in this area. Let's get over it, shall we? Don't worry, I've got you, love. Like no nobody's business, like nobody's business. Hi friends, welcome back. So today I'm going to guide you through six common time traps that eat up all your time and have you feel like There is never enough time to get everything done that you want to. I know that when we're talking about time, often what we're really talking about is attention and intention, which I believe I covered pretty thoroughly in the last episode. So if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and do so. You can pause this and go back and listen if you haven't. But today we're going to talk about what gets in the way the resistance, the common traps, the things that we need to get over (laughs) to move through and have a masterful relationship with our time and an abundant relationship with our time and a fulfilling relationship with our time. So I mentioned in the last episode a little bit about time poverty and time affluence. And I wanted to share this stat with you, which is that time diaries show that men's leisure time in the U S has increased six to nine hours a week in the past 50 years, while women's has increased four to eight hours a week in the last 50 years. So as tempting as it may be to say, oh, we're just working more now, evidence shows that we're actually working less and have way more time for leisure. So what's happening to our time then? Where is it all going? Where is it disappearing and evaporating to? That's what we're going to cover today. So it's not always about a mismatch between obviously the hours we have available to us and the hours we want or need available to us. It actually results from how we think about and value the hours that we do have. So time, when we're thinking about 
time and managing time and mastering time, it's as much psychological as it is structural. We obviously are so connected, overstimulated all the time. And when free time actually does arrive, I've been experiencing this personally in the last few days, we are almost so unprepared to use it that we end up wasting it. Or we tell ourselves we shouldn't take a break, so we end up working more or doing things that might not actually be essential or fulfilling or how we would ideally use our time. I know for me, I tend to get caught up in, if I'm in my house, there are just so many things talking to me that need to get done. And I end up putting off the more important priority tasks that I know are important to do this little minutia stuff around the house because I feel like it needs to happen. So the first step to becoming really smart and masterful with our time is to identify the traps in our life. So number one, technology. (laughs) Obviously, um, technology can save us time when we use it with intention, when we use it in the right ways, but it can also take away so much time. And this is known actually as the autonomy paradox, which we adopt, which means we adopt mobile technologies to gain autonomy over when and how long we work. Yet, ironically, we end up working way more all the time. Long blocks of free time that we used to enjoy are now constantly interrupted like little time confetti by our devices, by our phones, by our computers, by podcast stimulation from this direction and that direction. And this situation is really taxing for us cognitively and ends up fragmenting our leisure time in a way that makes it hard to actually use and enjoy. So researchers call this phenomenon time confetti the little bits of seconds and minutes lost to unproductive multitasking each bit alone is not very bad but all of that confetti adds up to something much more damaging so the example here is let's say you have one hour of leisure time and it starts at seven o'clock and during that time During that one hour, you receive two emails and you check both and you respond to one and then you get five Instagram notifications and you thumb through them and reply to one and then you get three Slack messages from a work team or something else asking you questions or to do something and saying they need something from you urgently of which you maybe answer one and ignore two and then one alarm reminding you to call your mom because it's her birthday and four texts from a friend trying to make plans with you and you're now adding up all of these different events that only take a few seconds which we can easily rationalize right but collectively they create not just one but two negative effects the first is the sheer volume of time that they take away from your hour right because that adds up to be a pretty large percentage when you think about it. A few seemingly harmless interruptions can take like 10% of this leisure time and suck it right up. However, research shows that our estimates of interruptions is conservative. So typically it may be worse than this, actually. It might be more like 50% of your hour instead of 10. The second and more 
invasive effect of time confetti is the way it fragments an hour of leisure. So most likely these interruptions are randomly disturbed throughout your hour. So the one hour of leisure becomes several smaller chunks, sometimes only five or six minute long, six, six minutes long each. So even if you're disciplined about not responding or not responding very quickly, All of those interruptions undermine the quality of those chunks of leisure time by reminding you of all the activities that you could or should be doing. So you're not actually fully present. And so your leisure time doesn't feel rejuvenating. It doesn't feel nourishing. It doesn't feel like you've received what you needed from it. It also takes time when we gear shift to cognitively recover from shifting our minds from present from the present moment of what we're trying to do, which is relax and be in a leisure mode to a stress-inducing activity like work. So people end up actually enjoying their free time less. And when asked to reflect on it, they estimate that they had less free time than they actually did, which I know I'm guilty of all the time. It feels like when I'm not really vigilant and intentional about preserving that time, when I don't put my phone completely away in a different room or when I don't have notifications turned off and my phone away from me when I'm trying to read a book or do something intentionally leisurely (laughs) and rejuvenating that I easily get pulled and it's like, oh, I had an idea and therefore I reached for my phone and I wanted to look it up real quick And it just makes that time so much less valuable. It makes that time so much less enjoyable because it's now broken up. Now my mind is in 10 different places instead of in the present moment, focused on the one activity that I am doing, which is maybe reading a book or just sitting on the beach and listening to the waves or whatever I'm choosing to do for leisure. And so we actually end up feeling like we have way less free time than we do because we're constantly interrupted in this time confetti phenomenon. So it actually makes us feel even more time impoverished than we actually are. So we might actually have five extra hours a day that we could be doing something really fulfilling or doing something really beautifully nourishing for ourselves. And yet, because we are so constantly interrupted by technology and we have this time confetti effect, we aren't actually feeling the benefits of that leisure time or free time. Okay. Time trap number two, we focus too much on money. (laughs) Another trap is the cultural obsession with work and making money. And we are incorrectly taught that money will bring greater happiness, not that having more time to use intentionally will bring greater happiness. But research shows that money protects against sadness, but doesn't buy joy. Interesting. Once we make enough money to pay our bills, save for the future and have some fun, making more does little for our happiness. So in data from 1.7 million people in 165 countries, researchers figured out that the exact dollar amount at which added money no longer increases happiness. Do you have a guess of what it is? It's very interesting. So after we make 65,000 US dollars per year or $60,000 globally per year, 
money stops predicting how much we laugh or smile each day. Isn't that wild? So 65,000, I know that we, you know, everybody wants to have a six figure business and all of this stuff. And it's actually so interesting when we look at happiness and joy and enjoyment, $65,000 a year in the U S money stops predicting how much we laugh or smile each day. And I can personally see this in my own life when I was making less money not to say that this is like the kiss of death. If you make more money, you're going to be miserable. No, but I'm saying when I was making less money personally in my business, I had so much more time. I was out in the world. I was connecting with people for coffee. I was prioritizing other things other than work that really brought so much joy to my life. And it's interesting now that, um, my business is, you know, multi six figures. I, feel definitely like, like those things that really brought me joy, they almost start to feel like more of a task or a to do that is constantly looming over my head that I'm like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. I need to be doing that because there's so many other things that I am doing every day that are filling my time that are about money that are about making more money or serving my clients or work. And it's so interesting I am actively taking steps in my business and in my life to streamline that, to change it. But I've noticed um, in the last year, and I think this is also partially due to COVID and isolation and all of that stuff. Um, But I definitely have noticed a difference. Isn't that wild? Like the things that we actually spend our time doing bring us so much more happiness when we have more of it when we have more time to do things other than work. And after we make, research also found that after we make $105,000 a year in the US, $95,000 globally, money stops predicting how well we think we are doing in life. Isn't that so interesting? So if anything, once we make a lot of money, $105,000 a year in the US, we start thinking that we are doing worse in life. When we become richer, we begin to compare ourselves to people even richer than we are. And we definitely, then we play this comparison game, right? Where it looks like in our own minds that we should be further along. And then we start stealing our own joy through the comparison game on social media and looking at other people's stuff and saying, looking at the gap between where we are and where they are and thinking we should be further along. So fascinating. So having money definitely shields us from stress. For example, like if your car breaks down, money provides a solution. And also having cash on hand or a nest egg even provides peace of mind in the absence of a crisis. But staving off negative outcomes is different from creating happier ones. So protecting ourselves from stress through having money is so different than creating actively experiences that bring joy and create happiness. Money does not buy joy. I'll say it again. Money does not buy joy. (laughs) A culture obsessed with making more money believes wrongly that the way to become more time affluent is to become financially wealthier. 
We think, I'll work hard and make more so I can afford more leisure time later. This is the wrong solution. If we focus on chasing wealth, it only leads to an increased focus on chasing wealth. And I'm sure that some of you listening are in this trap. And I think it's really tricky because as entrepreneurs, we want to be able to create more money so that we can delegate more, so that we can free up more time. So maybe, maybe there is a sort of like stratified (laughs) result in our category for this research. I'm sure that it wasn't only done on entrepreneurs. It's sort of like the general population. But I think it's really interesting to point out that as an entrepreneur, you can create more money through creating more, you can create both more money and more time at the same time if you do it correctly, right? If you're strategic about that, if you're intentional about that, if the way that you invest your money back into your business is about creating, um, is about delegating more, is about um, being more strategic and wasting less time and being more accountable and being stimulated more and being in community in a mastermind or something like that, right? Hiring a team member um, so that you can grow more and having boundaries while you do it, right? That can be, those two things are not mutually exclusive, right? Like more money can also bring more time, which can bring more joy when used intentionally. Hey, it's me, Emily. I have to fill you in on something super exciting that you absolutely need to know about today. The fifth annual Soulful Leadership Mastermind is now open for enrollment, and we've got some special bonuses in store for you when you join us before October 20th. My signature 10-month mastermind is specifically curated for women entrepreneurs like you who are ready to accelerate their business growth, expand their capacity to both serve and receive even more abundantly, and scale to new levels of impact and fulfillment. This mastermind is for you if you've been in business for a while and are really ready to just freaking go for it, to optimize, align, and shift into new levels of success, however you define it for yourself. In this experience, we're all about creating more harmony, magnetism, ease, flow, and freedom in your business and your life because they're so connected. To be crystal clear, this isn't a cookie cutter, low touch, doldrum, run-of-the-mill mastermind you may have participated in before or heard about. This is a really high-touch, high-caliber experience that includes monthly private coaching support from me, group sessions with our intimate sisterhood of no more than 13 women, guest expert trainings, two in-person retreats, ongoing support and coaching from me through Voxer, and so much more. If you're feeling curious or called to explore further, now is the time. When you join us by October 20th, you'll also receive access to two group coaching warm-up sessions in November and December before we fully hit the ground running in January, and a bonus 90-minute private planning session with me to map out the next year in your business from offerings, pricing, marketing, and your dream schedule, and an option for an extended payment plan to make your investment an even easier, holy hell yes! I can't wait to speak with you further about joining us for this magical experience to support you to reach beyond what you think is even possible for you in the next year in your business. 
If you are looking to scale and grow to six, multiple six or seven figures, then this is for you. Head to emilycastle.com slash mastermind to get all the details and fill out an application today. And my team will be in touch with you to schedule a time to speak with me privately and answer any questions to ensure it's the right fit for you at this time. You can also find the link in the show notes for more ease. Now back to today's episode. Okay. Time trap number three is we undervalue our time. And we, so this is really, this was a really interesting point because we have this sort of cultural obsession with money. Many people protect their money in ways that are counterproductive to time affluence. So in one survey, 52% of people who were financially comfortable, but extremely time poor working parents with young kids, for example, said they'd rather have more money than more time. When asked how they would spend a hypothetical $100 prize to increase their happiness, only 2% of working parents said that they would spend this money to save time, such as by having groceries delivered. People who could clearly afford to value time, people who had an average of $3 million in the bank, still said that they would rather have more money. And it's hard for us to measure the value of time, right? We talked about this in the last episode. Even if we're making a bad trade-off between time and money, such as driving two miles out of our way to save 10 cents per gallon on gas, it doesn't feel like a bad choice. And that's because we don't really know the worth of the time it took, right? We know we can quantify in our mind logically that, oh, 10 cents per gallon less on gas or um, $25 an hour for a VA or whatever, that we can see the difference in the money, but we don't calculate the difference in the time and the value of that time. So when you book a trip with a connecting flight to get a slightly cheaper price, you are falling into a time trap. I do this all the time. This is so interesting. So suppose that you save $300 on that flight, but it actually takes eight hours total out of your vacation time and increases your fatigue and stress because you have to get up early and switch planes. Would you pay $300 for an extra eight hours of vacation, a full workday's worth along with less stress and fatigue? Probably if it were framed that way, if we were thinking about it that way. So the time trap is really simple. We automatically go for the lowest cost, even when we shouldn't. So let's take a look at that gas example more closely. You consistently drive an extra six minutes to a different location to save 15 cents per gallon, and you go in for a 15 gallon fill up four times a month. Impulsively, it seems worth it. Six minutes isn't that much, and the savings will add up. So 15 cents times 15 gallons equals $2.25 saved per trip. That works out to be, you've spent almost five hours per, what is that, year? Um, To save $108, which doesn't take into account the opportunity cost of what you could have done with that five hours instead of driving out of your way to save money. You might still feel that this trade-off is worth it, but doing these calculations puts a different lens on time value, which we tend to grossly underestimate. So here's the deal. When we actually look at how, 
how much money, let's say your hourly rate for whatever it is that you do is $100 an hour. And you've spent five hours per year doing something to save 108. Well, that five hours of your time is actually worth $500, right? So it doesn't really make sense to spend those five hours doing something that's not adding any value to your life, that's not adding fulfillment, that's maybe creating frustration to save $108 when the true value of that time is 500. You could have been doing something really powerful with that. In the same vein, this is how we can look at investing in hiring support in our businesses, right? If your hourly rate is $200, hiring someone to do stuff you hate to do and paying them even $50 an hour is still um, very abundant for you, right? If your time is worth $250 an hour that you're working. So we don't tend to automatically think about the opportunity cost of how we're spending our time. We, we do think about the savings in money financially, but we don't think about how that impacts our time spent. So very fascinating. Um, I'd be curious to know which of you listening are getting stuck in this trap. Time trap number four is we regard busyness as a status symbol. And if you've been here for a while in my community or listening to my other podcasts, you know that we talk about this all the time. So more than ever, obviously, our identities are tied to work. And the best data show that people living in the U.S. increasingly look toward work, not friends, families, hobbies, to find purpose. In a 2017 survey, 95% of young adults said that having an enjoyable and meaningful career was extremely important to them. And my guess is if you are an entrepreneur and you're here, obviously you value that too. You want to do something with your life that feels like a contribution, that feels like it's making an impact, that feels fulfilling to you, that feels meaningful every day, that feels like you're helping create the world you want to live in, that feels aligned with your vision, right? So given the importance that we place on work, busyness at work carries status. We wear it like a badge of honor. We want to be seen as the entrepreneur who works the longest and does the best and is the most dedicated, even if those hours aren't necessarily productive, right? And we're starting to shift that. But I think there's something to be said for like, oh, I have the most clients, which means I'm working more. Or, oh, I, you know, have five different programs in my coaching business. And it's like, well, that just means you're working more. <laughs> um, so there are ways that we, we don't explicitly say, oh, I'm working 80 hours a week or something, but we're, we're essentially saying the same thing, right? We're saying, I'm so busy. I'm so full. I'm so, um, in high demand. And it makes us, it gives us like a little ego trip too, I think. Um, so Financial insecurity also drives workism and it's on the rise. So as society becomes more equal, people feel increasingly insecure about their financial future, regardless of their current stature. Those doing well worry about how far they could fall. So it's almost like the more you gain, the more you have to lose. And that is a little phenomenon that happens in our brains all the time. And it's something that we have to work on around money mindset and abundance. So those struggling to make ends meet 
fear falling farther behind. So it's interesting that most of us cope by working more and trying to make more money and we feel guilty about spending money on things that make us happy, such as going on a vacation or dining out or treating ourselves to something. But with our self-identity so wrapped up in work and productivity, the social appearance of being busy makes us feel good about ourselves. It makes us feel like we're doing everything in our control to create the result that we want, to create this sense of safety and security financially and otherwise, so that we can't be vulnerable to any threat, right? So in contrast, focusing our attention on something other than work can threaten our livelihood and status. And we worry that we won't be valued. And in part, we are right in a lot of situations, right? Especially if you have um, a full-time job and you're working on a side hustle. It turns out that employers are mostly rewarding the cult of busyness. And I think also this can happen even in coaching containers and in masterminds where where the coach hasn't done their work on this stuff and is really stuck in this old paradigm of hustle culture and busyness and all of the things because they're equating that with abundance. And actually, it's an abundance of something, but it's also an abundance of like stress and overwork and workaholism. It's not true abundance of like spaciousness and time and presence and doing what matters and, you know, income that feels really juicy and abundance can mean different things and it can feel very different depending on who you ask. So I think that's something to watch out for is who are you surrounding yourself with? Are you surrounding yourself with people, colleagues, peers, coaches, community members who reward, reinforce, that sort of cult of busyness and toxic hustle culture. Um, Research shows that employees who boast about working nonstop and being extremely busy are seen by others as better workers who have more money and prestige, even if they don't. So I think this is also something we see on social media, right? The, let's say, business owners who are constantly sharing updates about how, how busy they are and how much they're working and being like how stressed they are, but how worth it it is, are also seen as having a higher status, even if they don't. They could be broke, right? We don't know. We're not getting the full picture. And research shows that also these people who are working, who are boasting about working nonstop and being extremely busy, are even thought to be more physically attractive. Isn't that wild? So, Even if it feels good in the moment for someone to see the email you sent on Saturday at 8.30 p.m., this behavior contributes to an unhealthy and unhappy life. And ultimately, if you're expecting the people that work with you or work around you or even expecting yourself to be constantly available, it ain't going to work. You're not going to have a fulfilling business. You're not going to feel like you have time to do the things that matter most to you. And the reality is we don't need to be available all the time. There was life. There was business before we were available all the time. And my opinion is if you aren't standing for 
and embodying and leading in a way that creates something counter to that, that creates um, boundaries around time and um, that creates like, hi, I'm unavailable on the weekends and in the evenings. And if you aren't setting those boundaries and being clear about what your time boundaries are with people, whether that's your assistant and encouraging them or, or, you know, friends or other people in your life or encouraging them to do the same and empowering them to do the same, then you might be contributing to perpetuating this cult of busyness and this um, badge of honor of being busy that we associate to, you know, that we, um, what am I saying? (laughs) That we associate with being more successful or being more valuable or being more um, prestigious, even though often that's not the case. And these people can be the most time impoverished of all. And now a quick break to hear from our sponsor. So if you're listening to this podcast, then chances are you may be on my email list. And if you're not, let's get you signed up. When you sign up to receive emails from me, you'll receive lots of free trainings, tools, and resources from me instantly. In addition, each week I send letters from the heart. Subscribers get first access to retreats, programs, and giveaways. I'm very intentional with what I send and share with you because I know your inbox is a sacred space and I'm so grateful to be there. Flowdesk is what I use to send emails and keep you up to date on things through email. It is the most intuitive, beautiful, and streamlined email marketing software that I've come across. My open rates doubled when I switched over from MailChimp and it also became so much more fun to send emails to and to grow my list. So when you sign up using the link in the show notes or at emilycastle.com resources to join Flowdesk, you'll receive 50% off your subscription, which means that it's only $19 a month to send beautiful emails and use an intuitive email software. So I'm so excited for you to make this shift in your business. Head on over to the link in the show notes and start your free trial today and then get 50% off your subscription if you love it. Back to the show. Okay, so time trap number five is we have an aversion to idleness. So even if we lived in a perfectly equal society, we would still create time stress for ourselves because human beings are not built for idleness. Researchers call this idleness aversion and it makes us do some strange things. Dan Gilbert, who is a professor of psychology at Harvard, placed some college students in an empty room and gave them nothing to do. Many preferred giving themselves mild electric shocks to being left alone with their thoughts. Whoa. Another study showed that working parents felt bored and stressed during leisure activities, signaling that even the most time poor among us don't know how to relax. Fascinating. Technology may help us avoid being alone with our thoughts, but it is a trap that contributes to stress and time poverty. Being constantly connected to our devices prevents the brain from recovering and keeps our stress levels elevated and takes us out of the present. 
So in fact, idleness has been shown to be a valuable form of leisure and can increase time affluence. The physical and mental benefits of disengaging the brain are far more valuable than the stress created by keeping the mind engaged at all times. So literally, we never give our brain a break. Your brain needs a freaking retreat. It's working so hard every day, all day, whether you're working on like work-related stuff, business stuff, or whether you're like trying to figure out what to eat for dinner. So your brain deserves a break and idleness is how that happens. And if we can be intentional about creating pockets of idleness for us to recharge that are uninterrupted throughout our life and prioritizing them as important as any other meeting on our calendar, we would probably, it would behoove us, right? To put those things in our calendar as appointments or to create space that is uninterrupted leisure time where we put our phone away or in a different room or where we um, are just fully present with friends or anything, right? But to have that be something that we plan into our week on a weekly basis and that we're consistent with and that we value and prioritize as much as other things that are quote unquote productive. Okay, the sixth time trap is we think we have more time tomorrow than we actually do. So most of us, obviously, are overly optimistic about our future time. And we mistakenly believe that we will have more time tomorrow than we do today. This is sometimes referred to as the planning fallacy. And this is statistically the best predictor of how busy we are going to be next week is how busy we are right now. So our minds frequently forget this important point and trick us into believing we'll have more time later than we do right now. This over-optimism means that we're cavalier with our yeses, even for small stuff we really don't even want to do. We also want to say yes. We see it as a way to overcome idleness and feel productive, connected, valued, respected, and loved. But where does the time to fulfill all of these yeses come from? It comes from the leisure time that we could be using to feel more time affluent, which is so ironic because perpetual busyness undermines the goals that we set out to achieve with all our busyness in the first place. So while all of these things are the six most common time traps, of course there are so many others and so many other reasons that we fail to prioritize time. So for now, your goal could be to recognize and document the time traps that you fall into most often. Keeping in mind that your time traps might not be the same as other people's and what makes it a trap for you is that it makes you unhappy and steals time that you would otherwise use in a way that makes you happy. We all have the power to overcome the time traps that we have fallen victim to, just like getting fit or saving money Increasing your time affluence requires taking small, deliberate steps every single day to have more free time and learn how to enjoy it. It's also not easy at first. There will probably be some resistance. Both our society and our psychology make these time traps extremely appealing. (laughs) Keeping the exercise metaphor going, just as you shouldn't punish yourself for not being perfect in your workout habits, don't ever beat yourself up about being bad at prioritizing time. 
because multiple forces are making it difficult. We don't naturally respond to time poverty in a way that controls it or or, um, lessens it. In fact, when we feel busy, studies show that we take on small, easy to complete tasks because they help us feel more control over our time. So in this case, it's a false sense of control that doesn't alleviate the root cause of our busyness. Even though time poverty feels the same for everyone, time affluence looks different for everyone, which is what we talked about in the last episode. So this could look like spending 15 more minutes cuddling in bed with your loved one or strumming a guitar instead of scrolling through your phone. Or it could be 10 minutes of meditation on a on in the morning every day or it could be a saturday morning learning how to invest your savings instead of slacking or voxing or emailing a coworker or an employee or a team member or whatever no matter what this looks like for you the happiest and most time affluent among us are deliberate with our free time so I would love to invite you this week to make a list of things that you would love to do with your free time. And hopefully you've already kind of started to do this, but I want you to either revisit that list if you've already made it from the last episode, or I want you to take it a step further by actually scheduling in that leisure time, scheduling in time for uninterrupted, joyful things that actually let your brain rest that create intentional idleness that you are going to commit to putting your phone away or not bringing it with you or turning it off completely or putting it in a drawer somewhere or having it in a different room so that you can actually fully be present and enjoy and feel the impact of those moments and if that means you've got to make um you've got to set boundaries or you have to get a sitter for your kids or you have to say, hi, I'm unavailable. Pretend I've moved to the North Pole because I am so unavailable um, for a week that I'm going to be away. We have to take control of prioritizing our time because no one else is going to do it for us and it's not going to happen by default as we know. So my invitation for you is to create those times Put them in your calendar as an appointment with yourself to do the things that you want to be doing that bring joy, that bring happiness, that allow you to recharge and making those a priority, setting yourself up to win, setting up the parameters that make that a done deal for you so that you don't have to worry about other things popping in and distracting you. Can you make those things a priority? Put them in your calendar, eliminate the distractions that might come with those. And you can probably anticipate what they will be. Can you communicate with your partner that this is what's going to be happening during this time? And it's really important to you that you have this space. And, um, you know, if there's anyone else you need to communicate it to communicating that to them, maybe even your kids and being a living example of how you can be so smart with your time, how you can be so intentional with your time and really create the space for what matters most to you. I was just talking to one of my mastermind clients who's coming on a retreat that I'm leading in Arizona shortly. And she was saying her, her two daughters were like, mommy, why are you leaving? And she said to them, I need to do this to be a good mommy. (laughs) And I felt like that was so 
amazing. And probably if I have children, what I will say to them someday, um, because making space for the things that truly bring us joy might be inconvenient at times, right? There might be a lot of pushback from people in our lives. And at the same time, we need to know what is important to us and be clear about what actually matters that we do or don't do or spend our time on or don't spend our time on so that we can ultimately create the life that we want so that we can ultimately create the experience we want to be having in our businesses and in the world and in our life and in our family and in our relationships and all the things. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope that this was super helpful for you. I would love to hear from you about what are the time traps? Which of these six do you get stuck in the most or is it all of them? (laughs) Tell me what this looks like for you. I'd love to hear from you. Um, Take a screenshot of listening to this podcast. I'd be so grateful if you'd share it on Instagram and tag me at Emily Castle official. So I know you're listening and let me know which time trap is the one that gets you the most. Um, And you can do that either through a DM or include it with your screenshot. I'd love to hear it. Okay. Hope you have an amazing week. Can't wait to be with you next time to answer some listener questions. And don't forget, you can always go to emilycastle.com slash podcast and click the submit a question button to submit a question that you have about how this applies to your life and your work in the world. Um, I'd love for you to head over there and share any questions you have that I can answer for you on an upcoming episode. Um, whether it's time or otherwise, but I would love for you to go there if you have questions about time so that I can get those questions answered for you in next week's episode. Okay. Have an amazing day. I will talk to you soon, love. Bye. Keep your mind wide open. Keep your soul thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of like nobody's business so what did you think i hope you found this episode absolutely enlivening if you loved it i'd be so so grateful if you help me spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend or a loved one you know would feel supported and encouraged by this too Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. It's also infinitely helpful to me and to my team if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast so that other trailblazers like you can find this resource, know it exists, and step out of struggle and into more ease. Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today and for taking this space to receive nourishment for your greatest vision. And in case no one told you this today, you are wildly brilliant beautifully wise and radically trustworthy. Keep shining your light so that all of those who need what you're here to share with our world can see, feel, and experience your unique medicine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon.